0: Hi everyone, I'm Gary Nall. Nice to have you with us today. And today's program, as every Friday will be, as long as people are interested in the information that we're able to share, is open calls. No guests, no film clips, no commentaries, none of the information you would normally expect and do get every day, including Tuesday evenings with Progressive Commentary. And boy, do I have two really significant guests over the next two commentaries. For those of you who remember the late, great journalist, human rights activist, Danny Schechter, better known as the News Dissector. Danny Danny was really a worker. He produced, I'm guessing, more or less around 20 award-winning documentaries, several books. He graduated from the London School of Economics. He was an economist. And uh, we're going to be having Danny on his last film, in fact, it had a very short run because he passed right after it was premiered, and it was, I think, at the Quad Theater down on the uh, east side. I introduced him and the film to our audience, and it didn't have its full layout, so I'm presenting that on Tuesday evening on Progressive Commentary Hour, and it's about who owns the world. And you will see. Now, that was in 2015. Today, and nine years later, or just, just nine years later, not a lot has changed, except we know more about BlackRock and Vanguard State Street, Berkshire Hathaway than we did then. And then the following week, we have one of uh, one of the finest journalists in the United States who's going to take us through how words are used to disempower people. And what's interesting is you will hear her say, and we had a conversation because I wanted to know what direction she wanted to go. And uh, she said, today more than ever before, I'm saying the hardcore left and the corporate left use disinformation campaigns and, and weaponizing words to destroy others on the same side. Forget the right. This is just left on left. And, uh, wow, so she's going to share an hour with us on uh, the following Tuesday night. So, you know, we have a lot to share. But now we want to hear what you have on your mind, questions, um, issues, and opinions. We'd like to hear. Our talkback back numbers 888 874 That's 888 874 Joining me is... Luan Panisi. Luan is one of the most uh, knowledgeable, holistic nurses. She also has a, a degree, four year program in Chinese medicine or anti- Oriental medicine. And therefore, she brings two different disciplines. But also, she, she was the head of nursing, nurse administrator at Long Island Jewish Hospital for 18 years. And she gave that up. And uh, she explained on previous occasions why, and it changed her life, but then she's able to help other people change their life. And she has questions from the audience. So if we have questions, uh, the person who's there in the studio, Dylan, will take your calls and let me know that they're on board, and uh, just need your first name and the area you're calling from. So let's hear from you. In the interim, we'll say hello to Luann. Hi, Luann.
1: Hello, Gary. Hi, everyone. Gary, um, I just want to start the show by telling you that the show you had on the other day really hit a nerve with me. As a practicing nurse for almost fifty years, uh, the first eighteen of those years, I was in a major New York City hospital. Uh, first as a practicing nurse, and then quickly as an administrator, and this whole issue about what the nurses saw during this whole COVID epidemic uh, was really very, very, very troubling for me. I've been out of the hospital realm since 1995, and yet I'm very connected still. But I'll tell you, Gary, when I was a supervisor, there's a lot of things that patients don't know what's going on behind the curtain that could affect their well-being. Now, with COVID, um, I'll tell you, one of the most important things that I had an issue with as an administrator was the fact that you get more money with a new admission in the hospital than you do if someone stays there day after day after day. So the goal was to get the patients out quickly, even if it means dropping our standards of care. Get them out because there's another patient in the ER waiting to come up. And we can make a little more money on those. It was all about the bottom line. And that really, I became very disenfranchised with my entire profession. That said, let's take a look at what happened with COVID. Many nurses that I've spoken to during the epidemic were very, very concerned. Because in the ER, for instance, if someone came in with signs of a massive heart attack, And there were other patients there that had COVID. The physicians diverted their attention to the people with COVID because that's how they made more money. And one nurse actually said that I had to watch a man die of a heart attack who didn't have to die. That is malpractice, Gary. That is sheer malpractice, in my opinion. Come on. And yet it was all about everybody who came in they, they put on, the, the, if, the, if they died, the death certificate, COVID. So it looked like the numbers were high. But most of them didn't die from the COVID. They died from other things. If they had comorbidities like autoimmune illnesses and things like that, a COPD, diabetes, high blood pressure, as long as they had a positive COVID test, which you know that they had false positives on those, Those are the people they paid attention to, and when they died, it was always about COVID. Why? Well, this is what you explained on the show, that they're making a whole lot more money, lots of money, should they write down COVID versus anything else. This is just, it's wrong, Gary. It's just wrong. And one of our nurses who worked with me at at Barbara at all of our retreats, she lives in the city, and she ended up, she never got the vaccine because she listens to your show, and yet she still got COVID. And she had such severe upper respiratory infection that um, at some point she wasn't thinking clearly, and she says, I have to get to an ER. Well, they brought her to the ER, and what did they give her? Remdesivir. She was vomiting. She She was dizzy. She couldn't take it. Well, as soon as we found out that she was being admitted, and they did admit her, and they were going to give her more remdesivir, and she would have been another one of the people on the death certificate. Thankfully, we intervened, and we signed her out, and uh, we gave her the care that she needed. We ramped up her immune system, and, uh, and she ended up being, you know, she did fine. And I mean, all of us who listen to you, Gary, we've been taking high doses of vitamin C with quercetin, vitamin D, zinc, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and we're all doing fine. And Barbara, I'm happy to say, is doing very, very well today. But here's what she told me. When she was in the emergency room and they were about to hang the remdesivir, they call remdesivir run, death is near. We have to give her some run, death is near. That's what they call remdesivir. How about that? So the nurses even knew that they were giving something that was potentially lethal to these patients. And we know remdesivir has a terrible track record. It does not help people. And unfortunately, these physicians in the hospital are not acknowledging when someone reports a side effect, now Barbara does home care. And even when she reports, she said, I had a woman that, that had um, the, the shot three days later, she couldn't even sit up in bed. So I brought my pulse oximeter over and I started working with her. She said her blood pressure was terrible. And I said, she only had the vaccine three days ago. This is from the vaccine. The physicians, Gary would not acknowledge that it was a side effect from the vaccine. Well, you know, you really can't be sure. Yeah, if it's the only thing that's happening after they have a vaccine, you can bet it's from the vaccine. And this is what's happening. It's, it's terrible to hear. Okay, let's,
0: let's, let's break this down for a moment and see how this could affect other people. First and foremost, uh, everyone, just about everyone, was infected, but not everyone experienced symptoms. The healthier the individual, the stronger their immune system, the younger they were, the less likely they were to have symptoms. If they did, they were generally minor symptoms. That's the vast majority of people, and that correlates correctly with the actual lethal incidence of people who are healthy under the age of of 69. It's 0%. With children, it's 0.003%. In fact, more children have died because of the vaccine by a large number than have died from COVID. Now, for those who are in the health field or in this audience and were listening to the different programs, my whole emphasis was, let's build up the immune system. The stronger the immune system, the stronger the body's resistance to any antigen. You may get sick, but if you then listened to the programs or read the articles which were posted on GaryNall.com under articles under COVID, you would have seen that there were hundreds and hundreds of high-quality studies on two major drugs. One won the Nobel Prize, and that was, uh, that was ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And then all, also they would generally have a strong antibiotic like azithromycin. That would kill off the bacteria. Because one of the things we know that remdesivir does, it adversely affects the kidneys. When you have kidney failure and the tubules are not able to to filtrate the toxins out of the body, you start getting fluid backup and the fluid backup can go to the lungs. And when you have fluid backup in the lungs, you're more susceptible to bacterial infection. But because they were considered this strictly a viral phenomena, they weren't using the antibiotics that every doctor has an experience, knowledge, in pharmacology to use. Now, in the one study that was done before it was used on anyone with COVID in the United States, it was used uh, on the Ebola virus victims in Africa, 54% death rate in those who used it. There's no drug ever created that would be allowed to stay on the market if you have a 54% death rate. And yet it was. And that's the one that Fauci chose to promote, and that's the one that then used in every hospital, so the question is: How many people die because of remdesivir or improper intubation where it should not have been done? Now, had those same hospitals, and by the way, we've had multiple risks. Uh, people who are experts in the lung capacities of oxygenation of the lungs or failure of the lungs as a muscle to be able to contract and, and allow oxygen in and carbon dioxide out and uh, your pulmonologist. And they have said from the very beginning, we played you the clip of a New York well-known, highly respected pulmonologist who says this is not working. And indeed, 90% of the people who went on respiration died. But had they had hyperbaric oxygen therapy, had they had oxygen where people could breathe it through the mouth and get as much as 24% or more oxygen into the lungs, most of those people would have been saved. And indeed, we had A pulmonologist expert on, who's 22 years in the field, who said that's exactly how he saved lives. So every one of the protocols were wrong. And yet, many people in this audience did not care to read the articles, did not, as I suggested, have in their medicine cabinet at home or in a refrigerator black human seed oil. And that kills just about everything in the body, I mean, there's nothing I know that kills as many things, pathogens, not curcumin, though curcumin's good. But doctor, uh, yesterday, when uh, we were hearing from Dr. McCullough, he recommended 400 milligrams. I would start with 5,000 and go up from there. And uh, But again, I'm not sure he's actually read all the thousands of articles that I've read on curcumin and what it does. And uh, for the immune system, and also its antiviral and antibacterial properties. Also Raw garlic juice uh, from organic garlic. Coyolic is just one of many companies that make it, or you can make it yourself. Buy raw garlic uh, and juice it, and then you dilute it, and you take what you can handle. Same way with black cumin oil, You take about a teaspoon, but you mix it in with uh, a smoothie so it's less irritating the stomach. The key is this. People had, some people had knowledge of what to do. They chose not to do it. Not a single member of my family did it, and yet they're they still are getting vaccines, and just shrugging it off. And when I try to explain that when you have endocrinitis, you can't be exercising. In fact, as McCullough suggested, a world-class soccer player uh, had a heart attack, he was saved, and then uh, two years later when he was training on a treadmill to get back in, he had a heart attack, it was fatal. How many people did we see for the first time in our lives dropping dead young, healthy, fact, uh, ex- exemplary healthy young uh, soccer players who can run for hours and marathoners and and athletes dropping dead or having a heart attack?
1: And they refuse to, to say that it has anything to do with the vaccine.
0: They can't and they won't. They no. never will for a simple reason. If you engage in plausible deniability, which is what Fauci is doing now, then you can talk yourself out of, well, we didn't really say this, but the proof is in in the reality of yesterday. I mentioned that there was a paper from 2018, two years before COVID, that gave the exact instructions of how to weaponize, at the highest level of pathology, the SARS virus. And that came from Anthony Fauci's funding off to uh, the, uh, the Alliance and Peter Desick's group, Echo Health. Then it went over to Peter Desick, the world's leading authority on, on weaponizing gain-of-function. And then that went over to the Wuhan lab, but not the Wuhan lab that we're known about from the Batwoman, but rather to a lesser secure facility so it would be under the radar. They were intending to hide this information according to what has been presented. As a result, two years before COVID, two or three years, the uh, security team went over from the United States, from one of our agencies, and did an inspection and found that the safety conditions were not there at the Wuhan labs. They wrote a really excoriating report. Nothing was done. So now, then the guy A Chinese scientist uh, came up with a patent on the virus and the vaccine. And this was published, we found this out through the the work of the person who's the most knowledgeable in the world, uh, uh, David, about... he owned the patent, and then he immediately committed suicide. Why would he do that? That makes no sense. You don't invent a virus; you then get the patent for it. So when it the outbreak comes, and there's no outbreak, no outbreak. Remember that. That's like having, hey, I've just invented seat belts, and uh, you, we, don't, we don't even know that we need seat belts. But when we do finally say we need seat belts, I'm going to have the, the, the care for it. So we don't, have a, we don't have an epidemic, we don't have a viral outbreak, we don't know anything about a human-made, lab-made virus, and yet he has the treatment for it. That doesn't happen in science. You don't have some odd moment where you come up with a cure before you even knew there was a disease. And yet, our entire intelligentsia, our entire media, our entire governmental agencies, our entire corporate interests, all went along with that as if, oh, yeah, that that makes sense, that's normal. And then, so then, why would he kill himself? And then the people who got sick, who were the first people getting sick? They weren't at the wet market. That was a false story. They were in the Wuhan lab. And then what happened when they tried to tell the truth? One of them disappeared. The other one was threatened. And then she went ahead and told the truth again, and then she disappeared. Not to be seen since. So that meant that the entire narrative was handled by the Chinese government to protect itself. Because could you imagine what would happen to China in all of its relationships around the world if they had to take credit for having created and distributed this, uh, this virus? But who paid for it? Anthony Fauci. So when he was saying, we have never paid for gain-of-function research, that's an out-and-out lie. We've been paying for gain-of-function, still are, right now. Not a single lab has been closed. All this money, this is the deep state, and this is one of our problems. We're just not being honest about anything, and we should be. But in any case, back to the point, why didn't Barbara, for example, or the people you and I both know, and almost all of my close friends, why didn't they have ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, cisromycin, all these other things, like ready to go, you get your first symptom, boom, you take it, and within 24 hours, it's generally gone. That's been the general experience. The sooner you take it, not a single one of the people except yourself were prepared, and even after people got sick, they still didn't go to putting up their immune system. So, we have another discussion, not for today, but another discussion, possibly for a webinar because it will probably take several hours, because I have to have on behavioralists, I have to have on psychologists that really understand the human condition, like Peter Do- Do- Dr. Peter Resnick, I have to have on uh, Dr. Peter Beregan, to ask a basic question. Why would a person made fully aware of a problem not prepare themselves for the outcome that could happen if that problem becomes their problem? Why are we living in a cognitive disconnect about cause and effect? And part of the answer I will give now, and think about this, please, is we have been conditioned over the last 40 years, instead of being proactive of seeking our truths, seeking our own journey, being the architect of our own lives, we have as a society, with about 10% exception, we have maladapted to the conditioned response of how to fit in, be conformist, don't talk back, Argue amongst yourselves, but don't let it get out. And as a result, today, people don't want to do anything except be passively uh, passively observing everything as if it's a virtual reality. They can turn it on or off at will. There comes a tsunami. It's 200 feet high. You're sitting on the beach. Not a problem. Mm, someone will fix it. It's not going to hurt me. Each morning, Luann, the first thing I do when I get up at 4 o'clock is I review all the world environmental issues every single day. And I've done this for a long time. And every day I find different environmental catastrophes around the world. For example, just recently, some uh, tundra in the Great Boral Forest. And by the way, they stretch from Norway and Sweden and Denmark and Finland and Switzerland and uh, Greenland and Iceland and Canada and Alaska and the Russian and the uh, Russian-Siberian area, that's frozen, and it's been frozen for at least 12,000 years. Now it's thawing because of global warming. That's a reality. And now you have all these methane bubbles coming up, and methane can be as much as 56 percent or more uh, times, I should say, more powerful than carbon dioxide of creating global warming. They will use the argument, yeah, but we have the same number of hurricanes. Yes, you're correct, but they're of different velocity. For example, Ten years ago, had anyone in the world ever heard of a of a cloud river of water? Never. It wasn't in our vernacular. How about a uh, a lake river combination in the air, being held with a massive amount of water? And the first time we really saw that, well, there were two instances about similar. One was with a hurricane six years ago and it was in coming in over houston and it moved very slowly like four miles an hour and suddenly the clouds opened up and the greatest amount of water in history of recorded history came down and suddenly the streets were five foot of flooded water and it was all clay cap down there so all those refineries were leaching all this toxic material in there people had nowhere to go and they're out there slogging through this and now those people have all kinds of respiratory illnesses and skin diseases and cancers. and But we had never heard of this before. And now it's common. Oh yeah, there's there, the most water in California's history is being released right now. By the way, this is just yesterday. All right? Yesterday. And uh, in other places, oh, a community that had never been flooded in Vermont's history is now flooded. And in Germany, again, again uh, towns flooded where houses are swept away. Yesterday... In Great Britain, one of the most beautiful scenic roads in the country is now being taken back by the sea. In fact, the whole town on the seacoast is gone. Absolutely gone. I've visited that. You know, I've been to England, maybe Great Britain, maybe 30 times. And uh, I love to see the scenery and, and uh, all the great gardens and historical landmarks. But in any case, it's being taken back. So when you have the tundra of Defrosting, guess what's in that frozen uh, ground anywhere from 6 to 20, 30 feet deep? Viruses and bacteria that we have no immunity to, including reactivated anthrax. Remember, a virus virus has to have a host in order to really come alive and manifest. And you can keep it in the medium, but... uh, it dies if it doesn't have something to feed off of. But you get it frozen and then you thaw it? There's no immunity to it. And how bad could that be? We have no idea. But you got to realize, this is coming at us. And at the same time, they're making all these biological weapons. And there are thousands and thousands of scientists at hundreds of locations that we are sponsoring. And DARPA and the Defense Department, and all this is for weaponization. And just two weeks ago, China said we have now uh, created a virus that will have a 100% kill rate. Now ask yourself this, how sympathetic, empathetic, kind-hearted, and spiritual are the Chinese leaders? Well, we have examples. We don't have to guess. Look at what they did. They destroyed 50,000 monasteries and religious temples in, uh, in Tibet. They uh, look at the Eagers, 2 million held captive. Look at the Falun Gong, the meditation group, a peaceful meditation group, over 100,000 members were taken into military hospitals so their organs could be harvested. You know as a nurse, if someone needs a kidney or a heart or liver, it might take a year or two or three to get. And yet there, you might be able to have five or six choices in a day because they had unlimited amounts of organs, because they would just take out an organ, keep the person alive, until they finally had to take out the heart. They'd take out the corneas, so a person can't see. They'd take out one kidney, they'd take out one lung, and they did that. And now they're, they're, now they're allowed no dissent of anyone. They're completely controlled, captured uh, culture of 1.4 billion people, about the same, more or less, as India. And uh, so now, you ask yourself, wow, are we going in the same direction? The answer is absolutely, as fast as we can. Why? The people who you don't know, never heard of them, want power over you. Why would they want power from me? Why would they want to know my emails or my family photos and what I talk about on the phone? I don't give them that permission. They don't need the permission. Remember Barack Obama broke the law and uh, lied? And Clapper, head of the National Security Agency, lied under oath. Nothing happened, of course, and not going to, because they're in power. Because he had everyone's phone calls recorded, everyone's, no exception. And yet people said, but he's so presidential, i got to vote for him again, (laughs) Jesus. uh, It's not the creeps that are out there, these sociopaths running for all kinds of offices. It's the people who are so conditioned, so brainwashed, so ideologically controlled that they're no better than any cult we've ever seen. And from a cult, from the outside, you see it. From the inside, you're terrified. Go along and be accepted or challenge and be rejected. So why then is it that all the people you and I know and many of the people in this audience chose not to do anything about anything until it suddenly happens to them? and then suddenly, oh, my God, look what happened. Well, why are you surprised that karma took this long to knock on your door? Let's go to the, uh, if we have any calls, I'm happy to take them, 888 874 This is your turn to call in. Please use this opportunity. Rick from Long Island, your turn.
2: Thank you for all you do. I'm calling because uh, I have a Uh, a, a transfusion-dependent uh, blood condition, and I am trying to resist uh, getting vaccinated. I'm uh, getting vaccinated blood. Um, I'm fighting with the doctors over it. They think it's no big deal, and I'm afraid I'll get the spike protein by taking transfusion blood. Is that the case?
0: Okay, I'm going to answer half the question, and Luam will answer the other half. What did Dr. Peter McCullough say on yesterday's program just 24 a, hours ago?
2: Yeah, he said, like, several supplements.
0: No, that's not what I'm talking about. Before that, um, he said there is no study to show how long the spike proteins exist in the body. We were led to believe initially that they would be in and out of the body very quickly. In fact, only in the, in and out of the arm, in the deltoid muscle. Then we found out because of the, uh, the lipid particles that were encapsulated to get it into the cell without being rejected, it was then... Uh, not the, the syringes were not were not pulled back to see if you're withdrawing blood, which meant you were in the vein and you never want to give a vaccine or any injection dry, directly into the vein like that. because then, then it bypasses all your safety mechanisms and the blood goes through the body a little over six minutes. Every cell in your body is going to be infected, including past the blood-brain barrier. That's the first problem. The second problem was, how long does it last? And now the answer is, no one knows because every study a, a one month study it's still there still producing 24/7 a two month study and three month study and they're still producing now i haven't seen any studies that go a year yet and they'll they'll be there but what if it's still producing at a year and you heard what he said it may produce these cells for the rest of your life despite proteins now when you create a, a when you create an antigen the body immediately notice the antigen, the T cells do, and the B cells, and they rush in there with a process known as phagocytosis, and they try to envelop that antigen, whether it's a virus, a parasite, or a bacteria, and dissolve it and get it out of the body. But what if you already have an autoimmune condition? And most people do. 135 million Americans, according to a study that we wrote up um, three years ago, before the vaccines, and I said, just remember this. The people who should never get the COVID vaccine is are people who have autoimmune conditions because what you're doing, you're creating an immune response to a person that already has a defective immune response. They can't turn off their immune system, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, et cetera. And that's exactly what we saw. Now you've got people who are sick with long COVID and people who are dying because their immune system simply is going 24-7, five, five alarm fire, and is simply collapsing the organs. You simply are burning out the system. Now, anyone with a basic knowledge of innate immunity and, uh, and immunity that we get from outside exogenous sources that stimulate the immune system should have known that. That's common sense. And what do we see lacking in everyone involved in the field of cell science, medicine, when it comes to COVID? Common sense. You started off with a flawed model from um, Imperial College in England, and not the first time that clown over there was wrong about his predictions. But then it freaks you out. You're going to have such and such amount of death, and so therefore they push the mandates on everyone. You got to stay locked up. Got to do this, that, and the other. And but the irony, and here's where common sense. You're saying that <clears throat> that a big box store is you, you can go in there. A thousand people could be in there as long as you're six feet apart. And you do have the science, absolute science, showing that six feet is enough room. Was well, a scientist, <laughs> with a lot of virologists working in the laboratory and uh, downstairs, I can tell you that they would laugh at you if you said, if I stay six feet away from an infected person with a viral infection who's coughing, am I safe? No. In fact, I reported three years ago on a study that was over 20 years ago where an opera singer was brought in and they put a non-pathogenic bacterium in the, sprayed it in his mouth. He stood at one end, I I believe it might have been Parliament in Great Britain, where they put Petri dishes on every, clear to the end of the hall. And uh, he talked and the next day every single dish was infected. So then we find out now There was no science whatsoever. In fact, Dr. Fleming, on this program, the MD, PhD, said that he spoke with the head of the FDA going upstairs in an elevator, and the guy just said, we just made this up. They just made it up. No science. So as long as you shopped in Costco, Whole Foods, or anything, you were good. But you couldn't shop in a small store, so they closed down. A French restaurant you could eat in, but none of the other restaurants. You close them down. And the same thing with probably 70% of our businesses. The liquor stores you could spend twenty-four hours in there just deep breathing, and you're fine. But go into a gym, no, you can't do that. There's the virus. You can wear a mask outside, walk into a restaurant, take off the mask, and suddenly you're When you take off the mask, the viruses somewhere in the air. See that you've got a mask off and they say, stop everyone. All your viruses, you cannot infect these people while they're eating. You can't do that. You know, Howard Stern says so and he's a genius, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, And so suddenly, but the moment you finish your meal and pay your tip to the people who are all masked, the cashier, the maitre d', the chef, uh, now you're in okay, free game, go infect them. The insanity, uh, because you're not aware of what's going on in Ukraine with the Defense Department. They're just piling up bodies. In fact, I a brand new video shows the Ukrainian uh, soldiers who've died. They're just being pushed into an uh, open mass grave and dirt put over them. And now they don't have to pay the widow's uh, fees for the dead son or father and uh, because they're missing my goodness! They could be in a prisoner war camp. They could have uh, they could have abandoned and uh, and run off and deserted. I mean, the schemes that are going on, the fraud that's going on, the corruption that's going on is mind numbing. But again, the average person doesn't seem to care, nor want to know the truth. So, just give you a little idea: Would I ever take a vaccine from a person who's vaccinated? Not on your life! I would look for the blood that is certified and that has not been taken from a person with a vaccine, just like we did when people with HIV infection and AIDS were not allowed to give blood. I would do the same thing for people who have been vaccinated because we don't know how long that vaccine uh, spike protein manufacturing capacity will last, and you sure as hell don't want to get it passively because what did we learn? The vaccinated were the ones spreading the virus through shedding, Oh, but we were told just the opposite. We were told everything just the opposite, and they were wrong. Hope that answers your question, Rick, does it?
2: Thank you. Um, what about uh, uh, proximity to people who are vaccinated? How long? We don't know, right? How long uh, do I have to stay away from them? Um, you know, shedding
0: We do of, not know. You, not do, you There is no science at this moment to show how long the vaccine is creating spike proteins. As long as someone's creating spike proteins, even if they're asymptomatic, their 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 capacity for infecting you because it's in all the body fluids uh, is possible. Now that doesn't mean that you have to shun people. What I do when I travel, when I go to a concert or a movie, I simply put a plastic shield over my face. Now people might think that's strange. It's not a mask because the masks are functionally worthless. I said this at the beginning. I even showed you the studies. I showed you 10 studies that the size of the virus compared to the size of the holes in the mask, and I use this example, is is like trying to prevent mosquitoes by putting in a chain-link fence.
2: What about the ionizers do we wear? Is that any help?
0: Oh, that certainly helps. That certainly helps. And I always carry my... In fact, when I'm on a plane, I take two ionizers and... uh, I generally, I have, uh, they're black and white ionizers. I wear the black ionizers and I wear black shirts. They don't see what it
2: is. And then the white ones, when one you wear a white shirt.
0: That's correct. Um, so with with a shield, you're kidding. You're preventing all the larger particulate matter from hitting you. So if someone sneezed or coughed, the large particulates are not going to get into your eyes. That's why I wear sunglasses, your nose or your mouth. Then you wear gloves, you take them off and uh, throw them away when you're finished. And take a shampoo when you get off, of, get back from a, you know, just take a shower. And uh,
2: incidentally, you know. Gary, about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when um, you started PR, I construction work for you. And yes, that was 20 years um, I, ago. I, and I also drove down to Florida with you, nonstop, almost, from Naples, uh, from New York to Naples. Um, at that time, I had lost. One of my siblings through this very, extremely rare genetic blood disease. They both, and then, and since then, I've lost another one. They both died at 50 from primary liver cancer from excess iron. I have, however, been following your protocol for 45 years, building my immune system, um, eating the right stuff, taking all these things to protect my liver, which uh, is the number one uh, uh, target of uh, too much iron. And um, I'm 75. I look like I'm 60. Nobody believes me. How old I am? I got to thank you for it. Also, I got to say, um, I spread PRN everywhere I go. I've got four four other documentaries uh, about the COVID uh, vaccine, which I give around the library and I bring up to doctors. And it's astounding how they don't want to know. They don't want to know. They don't want to look at it. They don't want to. The, some of them don't want to take, borrow the documentary and take it home. They just don't, they don't want to know. They don't want to know why I'm still alive, what are different things I've done. The hematologist said to me, you know, I've kept you alive for 18 years. I said, not, not actually. You've done the same thing my brother and the hematologist done. But you don't want to know what I've done the reduced glutathione, and the tito the dandelion, the milk, this all for my liver. Uh, the
0: consuming, you know. Rick, we got to go on. But okay, Gary. Thank you for under, Understand this. We only allow one truth at a time into our conscious mind. The moment you try to bring multiple truths or different truths or different information that could change a person's perception of what their reality is, which becomes their truth, you then create emotional chaos. If a doctor's been treating cancer and 50% of his patients survive and 50 die, and we know that 50% of cancer deaths are due to the treatment itself, chemotherapy and radiation, then what if you said, I could get you 100% cure with no one dying, but you'd have to change your methods? There wouldn't be an oncologist I know of in America that would say, good, let's learn. Because in the last... 40 years, over 20 million Americans, more or less, have died from cancer. Well, if you're the expert on cancer and you're getting all the money and you're, you've got 100% of the control and you're making that kind of track record of failure, shouldn't there be some sense of humility to open up your minds to what else could be available that might help? And the answer is, theoretically, yes. But in the real world we live in, one truth, one reward for that truth, and that is you're acknowledged, you're accepted, and even if you every patient you had died, as long as you're using currently accepted medical practices, there's nothing that could be done against you. Nobody would ever win a malpractice suit, because you would have all the medicine on your side, and that's why they always give you the side claim, the side claim of. And if you have a runny nose, well, we have a drug for that and it'll alleviate at least in 75% of the cases within three months, your runny nose and the side effects. And then very fast, they'll give it very fast. And the side effects are stroke, heart attack, uh, death, and then death again. And then when you think you're dead for the final time, you die one more time. And they finally try to toe tag you and toe twitches and they say, give another shot or something. So this toe stays still. It is a joke what American medicine has become, and they're the only ones who are not laughing. No one in any sphere of life is going to be open to a suggestion that would have them question the validity of their belief system. So, I don't care. When was the last time you heard an Iman saying, let's take an honest look at Catholicism and, and Jainism and Buddhism and see if there's something we can learn to expand our... No, it's never going to happen. I don't care what it is. Uh... This is the way we're hardwired. Thank you for your call. And uh, Kathy from Virginia. Hi, Kathy.
3: Hi, Gary. Thanks for the heads up on the effects of the toxic effects of flooding and the pathogens. I mean, all of us have to look out for that. And I'm really glad that Rick has been so successful in being healthy from actually listening to you and the expertise of people who are outside of the medical community. Um, I'm calling because it seems to me a lot of young men, including my son, have been kind of falling to pieces since having COVID shots.
0: You think there's an association? Kathy? Is Kathy still there? I'll... I'll... Speak up, Kathy. I'm here.
3: Can you
0: hear me now? All right. Yes. First off, have you gone to Frontline Doctors' website?
3: To whose website Sorry,
0: Can you hear me? Frontline Doctors.
3: Um, No, I haven't. Are you familiar with the work
0: of Dr. Pierre Corey? Yes. Okay. And Dr. McCullough? Absolutely. And Dr. Cole. Yes. And doctor okay. Malone.
3: So, uh, yeah, what they
0: I'm all Dr. what are four, what do those four have in common?
3: Well <laughs> they have in common that given people a heads up of the danger of the spike protein.
0: That's correct. At what cost to their careers, livelihoods, and reputations?
3: Well it's it's been a Obviously, their integrity is what shows through. I mean, they've been willing to sacrifice what they have to sacrifice to show people how to preserve their lives.
0: And fortunately, Doctor, the only one of those that is financially secure is Doctor Malone because he uh, he worked within the in the industry, the scientific industry, and he was worked at uh, uh, at the institutes. He was a consultant to all the major federal agencies. And he was smart enough to have some patents. In fact, he was the developer of the original science upon which the COVID RNA vaccine was developed. Yeah. Now, so what you have on the one hand is you have some of the smartest, most respected scientists in the world. Together, just those four have published a lot of scientific papers. And in fact, Dr. McCullough has published more uh, articles in the peer-reviewed literature from respected magazines, uh, scientific journals, than any other scientist in American history. He is the most cited. Uh, Doctor Pierre Cory is also cited. These people are cited because they're orthodox pro-vaccine. Until they saw what the problems were, then they had the courage. Unlike their colleagues, unlike 900,000 other medical doctors and six million other scientists, they had the courage to tell the truth and they put it all on the line, and they all lost. They were pillared on the front page of the New York Times, and uh, and that's unfortunate. So when you want to know the truth, you go to the people who risk everything to share the truth with you. You don't go to the people who are perpetrating a lie and calling it the truth. You don't go to the disinformation source, you don't go to CNN, you go to the New York Times, you don't go to uh, MSNBC, you don't go to uh, Howard Stern, you don't go to Jimmy Kimball. Now there's the smartest guy that's ever lived, Jimmy Kimball probably most handsome, probably looks a lot like Rudolf Valentino. No. <laughs> but Jesus, these people are not funny. The light night, none of them are funny. George Carlin was funny. Don Wrinkles was funny. <laughs> these people are humorless. You know, and unfortunately, none of them seek the truth. They only seek rewards for being... A good spokesperson for whatever the Orthodox tells you. Well, when was the last time Orthodox was right? Were they right about was Clinton right and Madeleine Albright right about sanctions against Iraq? that killed 500 to 600,000 children. No, but didn't she say on 60 Minutes, interviewed by Leslie Stahl, is it worse? Sick, you know, half a million dead children. And she said yes. Well, what if it was her child, one of those 500,000? What was the deal? Clinton illegally? It was against the law with the Defense Department decided to, to destroy civilian infrastructure, water, pollution control, and disinfectant plants, electrical grids, and so the people had nothing. And then he put the worst sanctions of any country up to that point in American history against Saddam Hussein, which led not to the collapse of Saddam Hussein, but rather to the impoverishment of people who before at least could maintain a life and now they couldn't, so at least five to six hundred thousand children died. That's authority supported by the New York Times, corporate America, the military-industrial complex, and everyone who's feeding all out of that trough. So if they lie about everything, and they have, they lied about the Vietnam War, the Gulf of Tonkin resolution, they lied about Operation Coontail Pro, they lied about MK Ultra, they lied about infiltrating every Black Lives, um, a Black uh, Panther meeting in the United States. They had. A, a, Informers in every single one. They lied about the truth about the people they assassinated in the Black Panthers. They lied about <clears throat> they lied about uh, the Reagan lied about saying that, you know we have to go into Grenada because it's a threat to the United States. Grenada wasn't a threat to the swordfish and shrimp in the uh, in the Atlantic ocean. They were they, there was nothing that they represented as a threat. But there there were 27 Cuban advisors there, so suddenly we had to do a full-throttle attack. The same happened in Panama. Uh, 59 countries we've had regime change and actually Madeleine Albright actually said our reason for being in Iraq is regime change. And then they all came down the same road. She opened the door, they came through. Before her was Madeleine Albright, Uh, excuse me, it was uh, Jean Kirkpatrick, and over in Great Britain uh, was uh, Margaret uh, Thatcher. So we, we, this is not the first time we've been lied to. We've been lied to about everything. We lied to about cigarette smoking. We lied to about DDT and Eldrin, Heptachlor, and Copper Coil 7. We were lied to about Love Canal. We were lied to about uh, so, uh, the, the um, radiation of food not harming the DNA structure. It did, creating massive free radicals. So I, do, I don't know of anything they haven't lied. Fluoride. A brand new study just yesterday came out showing fluoride is dangerous. I wrote that first article 51 years ago, the fluoride fiasco. We just keep updating it. Does it cause anyone to change? No. Anyone using less fluoride? No. They're going to watch whatever television says buy us, use us, drink us, smoke us, eat us. They will. Without any thought of the consequences. Now why do I give you this? Because up to this point, everything that mainstream media and everything government agencies and politicians have told us about what is the truth has turned out to be just its opposite. So why would we now believe, well, surely this time they won't lie to us, this time the media will be honest, this time the scientific and medical community, they're the front line of this and profiting from it, they'll be honest about it. No, they're not going to be honest about anything. We live in a society today of illusion and deception. We live with the idea that somehow, somehow we can go along with everything and there won't be a negative consequence. So what have we mastered in our lives? The art of deception and the living by illusion in hope that no one ever gets close enough to open the door and see who's on the other side. What happens when we are totally honest about everything? immediately you are shunned, you become an outlier, and they go after you. Every single whistleblower has been attacked. Their reputation is destroyed. When was the last time the government forgave the whistleblowers and exonerated them? Trump had a chance to free Julian Assange and Edward Snowden. They did the right things, He's incapable of doing anything right. The man's a functional illiterate and by the way, cleaning the washing of the swamp no no he just got everyone in his cabinet would would again tomorrow he'd probably hire the same people back because someone you know that these people don't like you really yeah they, they don't like you maybe you should hire Robert Kennedy jr. maybe you should hire Edward Dowd maybe you should hire Dr. Malone to be your. Uh, surgeon general. Uh, maybe you should hire some people uh, to head your uh, economic uh, advisor council who are actual real, like Rabini and Michael Hudson. No, that'll never happen. He'll never hire a single person to his cabinet or have anyone around him that has any ethics, morality, decency, or an IQ above seven. But that's world we live in. That's that, and, and you know, when you get to two of the worst human beings in the history of our country, who are going to be the most powerful people in the world, then why don't you look for a person like Ralph Nader? And we did. I voted for him three times. Or Jill Stein or some of the other people. But we won't. So how do you deal with the cult of professionalism? All professionals. You know, the professionals who built the airplanes that now I wouldn't fly on. Because they want to make sure equity is a part of it. So if a person has been, had a mental condition, yeah. Yeah. True story. If you have a mental condition, the airlines want to hire you to show that they're diverse. Well, that's exactly what I want the next time I get on an airplane. I want someone who didn't go through the right flight school, failed, failed everything, but because of uh, who they are or what they identify as, they're going to fly the plane and put on some funky music while they're doing it, and funky music going up and funky music on the way down. <laughs> and you think, maybe this doesn't work. So you see, we can only have one truth. Which truth are you living by? And that way you'll know what to do so you don't fall prey to their next pandemic lies. And there will be another pandemic lies. You know, The first one worked, until now it doesn't. And as if we have no memory of their lies, we'll go right back to believing the same people doing the same things with a different named environment. Does that answer your question, Kathy from Virginia?
3: Well, I've got the link to Frontline Doctors. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Okay, and also go up to com. go to Articles and read all the articles on COVID. And cle- I can't and, read and by the way, are you aware of the documentary that I did that was a 10 and a half hour webinar that I edited into a five-hour of what to do if you have COVID? how to reduce the spike protein and stop it, how to get rid of the self-organizing nanoparticles that are clogging up the arteries and veins?
3: I just wonder if you ever sleep.
0: Why should I? (laughs) (laughs) Give me a good reason why I should sleep.
3: (laughs) It it seems to help people's immune systems, according to Dr. Gary Nell. Yeah.
0: So, listen, watch the film. All right? All right. It's on COVID, and if you've been vaccinated, if you've had or not had symptoms, all those are medical doctors in there, including Dr. McCullough, including uh, all the doctors I just mentioned. They're all in there, and several more. And they lay out all the protocols that can help you undo the symptoms of adverse reactions. Okay? Okay. All the best, Kathy. Thank you for calling in. Luann, final thoughts, because we're... You didn't have a chance to read anyone. Real quick, read me one of the questions you got.
1: Oh no, you no. It's gonna need it's gonna need time, Gary, because these are these are great questions that people are are writing in about. But I will tell you this: when I was when I came to your first retreat, you want to talk about creating chaos, and you're explaining to us that we shouldn't be drinking coffee, we shouldn't be having meat, poultry, dairy. Um, <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I—I I was. My mind went to chaos because <laughs> that's what I grew up on, and that's what a lot of people, when they come to retreat, or if they're thinking about coming to retreat, <laughs> it's like, well, what do we eat, Gary? Air? Well, that's what caused me to scramble and start learning about, and that's what—that's why the retreat was so wonderful for me. because I learned that there are healthy, live foods that are going to help me with every, every imbalance in the human condition, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, physiological, and so it opened up a whole new world, but it created chaos. And I believe that you've got to have chaos before you have reorganization. And I believe that is what is happening to our world right now. We are going into chaos. But from that chaos, I believe wholeheartedly that there's going to be reorganization. And I'm hoping that the people that stand firm by their values and their integrity and their character are going to rise above the chaos that we are amongst right now.
0: I would would simply suggest that Look at your own life and ask, when have you been willing and open to change? Because that's that's what's going to happen. Some people, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how many lies, deceptions, no matter how much harm is expended to them, they will not change. But other people will. But they need a reminder, are you living through the real world or are you living through an artificial construct? And they call it real. And I call it the candy cotton dream. It looks good, smells good, tastes good, and there's nothing there of value. And that's much of what our new culture, the new culture, that is brought in with identity politics and, and wokeism and critical race theory. And what will happen is, is, just like the two police that were pounced on by this yes. uh, a gang, uh, illegal immigrants, and then four of them split, and then they fake their identity to split another crime, uh, the people who allowed this to happen, the DA, uh, the attorney general, uh, the judges, uh, when you allow this to happen because the, the couple who were arrested were then immediately let out and they gave everyone the finger and cursed, and that's who you're paying $6,000 to ride from the Texas border to New York? 6000 per person. And yeah. just the exploitation of this. Well, sooner or later, it's going to happen to the average person. Sooner or later, someone who's not been affected, who can say, well, that's not where I live, that's not my building, that's not my borough, it's going to happen. You're going to get carjacked, you're going to get hit, you're going to get robbed. Small business people in New York, uh, one drugstore finally had so much theft, they lost so many millions of dollars, they had to close up. And this is happening all across the United States. In San Francisco, I just saw a video where they went down all of Market Street, one of the main streets, and almost every single store was closed. Not one single restaurant existed. Why? Because the governor, you know, Slick Willie, and uh, the politicians wanting to be on the right side of an issue, uh, they said you could steal up to $950, and it's you know, just a misdemeanor, no big deal. And so the gangs got involved, no one ever talks about the gangs, 33,000 different gangs, millions of members. And then they started bringing in the drugs from Honduras. They then make sure that everyone in those little encampments is paying rent, and they're the ones supplying the drugs. And then they say, here's a cart going, it's still $950, bring it back out. Here's another cart going, still another $950, because they can only stop you if you exceed $950. And we're going to have a guy go with you with an adding machine that adds it up and tells you when you've reached that amount. One day you can put a store out of business. And yet, one a member of Congress says, you know, this is racism on the part. Everything is racist to these idiots. And no, no, there's no room for an honest business to, to succeed and thrive today in New York, Los Angeles, without being affected by crime. When you legalize crime, you've just started sowing the seeds of destruction to the culture that has thrived within that community. Watch how long it takes for New York to become San Francisco. We're out of time. Thank you all for listening. And stay tuned for Jeremiah coming up right now.